Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pick and Roll Podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss James Harden and the Red Hot Rockets, Brogdon's Pacers, the not-so-surprising Nets, the resurrected Andrew Wiggins, and can Hoodie Mello save the city of Portland? And of course, Eric's latest Laker talk. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. We are back at it again with another episode of the Pick and Roll NBA podcast. My name is Perry Rockwood, and with me, as he is every single Tuesday, is Eric Holmes. Eric, how's your week been? Ed, weeks couldn't be better. Going really great. Yeah? How are, how are your, uh, how's Provo doing for you these days? <laughs> Provo's good. I, uh, I've been offered three tickets to different jazz games, so it's pretty sweet. I mean, I, I love being able to be in, being close to a city or a big city now that I can go to NBA games often. You're going one to one today, right? Right after we record this. Yeah, later tonight, Timberwolves versus the Jazz. Get to see Cat and get to see my, my most improved player, Andrew Wiggins, at it. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> That'll be really cool to be able to see them in person with uh, how well they're doing so far. Um, all right, so to start off, we're going to kind of recap the two picks for the games of the week that we had last episode. And to start off, we will talk about the Knicks versus the Mavs. Uh, we picked this game because Porzingis was making his uh, debut back at the Madison Square Garden, and it was a crazy game. Who would have thought that Markeith Morris would hit a buzzer beater three for the win? Marcus Morris. Oh, yeah, yeah, Marcus Morris. My bad. <laughs> no, it, I think it's hilarious that uh, Marcus Morris has taken the last second shots for the Knicks, and they wonder why everything's, are go- everything's going badly. <laughs> they're like, what? Why is, this, why is our team so bad? And you're like, well, Marcus Morris is scoring the most points on your team. <laughs> I, I remember watching him on the Celtics last year, and it's just like every time he had the ball, I would just cringe. Like, <laughs> oh, you know the shot's going up the second he gets the ball. Yeah, he's, he's the ultimate pickup player. So the Knicks are 3-10. and 10. They're at the bottom of the East, so they're the worst team in the league. Uh, they're last in offensive re- rating. They just can't score points. And I guess the only, the only bright – future of hope for the Knicks is their third overall pick, R.J. Barrett. Um, Right now, to start off the season, he's averaging 16 a game, uh, six rebounds, and four assists. But he is also shooting 49% from the free throw line. So... So. Free throw percentage is never a good... or It's always an indicator of how good of a shooter you are pretty bad that he's shooting 50% from the or below 50% from the free throw line yeah I mean we knew coming out of the draft that his shot was what needed the most work he's got just great basketball instincts and he's definitely just going to be a good solid NBA player I think he I don't think he'll ever really turn into a super duper star I think he could be a great uh, role guy and an option on a good team but I don't think he's a franchise player. At least I don't see it from what I've seen so far. What kind of potential do you think Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Knox add to R.J. Barrett? In what sense? Like, do they help the Knicks in the future, or do you think it's just like a lost cause with those players? I would say 
it's a lost cause with Julius Randle. This the fit just isn't good at all. But I do think that Mitchell Robinson has a lot of potential if he learns how to not foul every two seconds and can actually stay in the game. Super athletic and can protect the rim and get a lot of rebounds. And Kevin Knox, he's just an average player. Again, this roster is just so bad that <laughs> it was even hard to watch this game against the Mavs. Um, but the the best thing for me to see was that the booze that Porzingis obviously got from all the Knicks fans as they're very deep rooted in their fandom for the Knicks and how he handled that whole situation. I knew he was obviously we all knew he was going to get booed. Yeah. The, the Knicks are, they're just not in a very good spot, but you know, they still, they still were able to compete. Marcus Morris pulled it off the other night. What do you think about um, Chris stops in his post game? You know, a 7-3, and he's just, like, not effective at all in the post. I think that, you know, he's – what did you say in our last couple episodes? How long had it been since he had played basketball? It was, like, 600 days, 20 months or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, we can't get too hard on him. Obviously, he's going to be a little cautious, and when you're cautious, you're going to settle more for jumpers and for things like that. That's fair. Because we saw that with Gordon Hayward last year, and then this year before he got hurt, he was looking like his old self. Yeah. It's just – it's I find it weird that in the last 90 seconds they're throwing it down to, to Porzingis on the post. Yeah. But – Yeah, and, I think Porzingis, especially on the Mavs, is most effective when he's running a high pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop with Luka. Yep, I agree. So, speaking of Luka, I just want – I feel like we talk about him a lot, but I just want to talk about him for like two seconds. So – this week on Instagram, I posted, if you think Luka Doncic is a top 10 player in the NBA, and I kind of want to clarify that post. I don't think Luka Doncic is a top 10 player in the NBA if without injuries. However, with all the injuries this year, especially to Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant, I think that Luka Doncic this season so far is a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah, um, I wouldn't go as far as that. I think he's in the fifth top 15. with. I think he's top 25 without injuries. Or no, with, with – or no, top 25 without injuries, top tw- uh, 15 with injuries. So you think him averaging 28, 11, and 9 with a 7 and 5 record in the West that he's not top 10? Yes. Okay, I know a lot of people agree with you, but I, I think there's arguments for either way. I just think with what we've seen so far in the first 11 games, he is a top 10 performer so far. Let me rattle off a quick na- some quick names, and you tell me if any of those players are better. Okay. All right. So, Steph, I can't count because he's injured. But I'd rather have Dame. Yeah. I'd rather have Cat. Yes, that's two. I'd rather have Kawhi and Paul George. Three, four. I'd rather have... Uh, LeBron and AD. LeBron and AD, six, seven. Or no, no, that's five, five and six. six. Jokic. You'd rather have Jokic? Jokic on a nine and three Nuggets team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's seven. James Harden. Eight. Giannis. Nine. Joel Embiid. Ten. I think, I think he's right behind Joel Embiid. Kyrie. 
I would I would rather at this point I'd rather have Luca than Kyrie. Okay. But there's ten names. Jimmy Butler. I'd rather have Jimmy than Luca right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I've just been so impressed with him. He's so young. So I mean, maybe that was a little pretentious for me to say top ten, but I just feel like just what he's doing so far is insane. I think he's he's really good, but I just want the haters to know that they're like it's Russell Westbrook esque. Just throwing it out there, padding the stats. And somebody told me they would way rather have Westbrook than Doncic, and I was like, okay, let's not go that far. <laughs> yeah, I mean he, he's twenty. I mean, give him time. Yeah, um, you gotta take age into consideration for sure. Yeah. So. I don't know, that's enough about him. I know I bring him up all the time. And he's not even one of my favorite players, so I don't know why I keep bringing him up. <laughs> <laughs> he's just easy to talk about, I guess. So, uh, Eric, what was the, the game you picked last week? I picked the Clippers versus the Rockets. That was a really good game. Yeah, the I'm pretty sure the Rockets, uh, they had a really good game. They're on a wow, – what's their winning streak right now, the Rockets? Well, right now they're they – they're, they're on a seven-game win streak. Yeah, they're ten and three in the West, second place right now. They won. They won that game one hundred two to ninety three. It's just insane to see the tear that Harden's been going on lately. I was looking it up, and in the last five games, this is how many points Harden has scored each game: forty two, thirty nine, forty seven, forty four, and forty nine. No, he's a one-man offense. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, I mean, man. I mean, the last game when he when he had forty-nine, he shot twenty-two threes. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's currently averaging like thirty-one percent from three, right? Yeah. Um, if he would stick to his normal clip of thirty-six from last season, Kevin O'Connor said that he would be he'd be averaging a little over forty-one points per game. If he was just average from la- the same average as last year, so oh my god, he's been shooting the three ball pretty pretty poorly, and he still has room to grow from there, and he's still scoring thirty eight points per game. That's crazy. So in that game, we saw, of course, Patrick Beverly get into it with Harden. He was all over him the whole game, and Westbrook had some some words for Beverly after the game. He said that in an interview that Patrick Beverly really isn't that good of a defender and that it's just all show. What do you think of, of Westbrook's comments? You know, I see where he's coming from, but at the same time, like, Russ, does the, Russ doesn't even play defense. I'm like, <laughs> who are you to talk, dude? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but no, I, th- I, think, I think Patrick Beverly, like, he's always tasked with guarding, like, someone that's, like, six or se- seven inches taller. Um, I think he's a he's just a fighter on defense. I mean, I I don't really like him, but I respect the way he plays. I respect the intensity he plays with. Yeah, I was listening to CJ McCollum's podcast earlier this week, and they were talking about that game and what Westbrook said. And CJ McCollum said, "You have to give it to Patrick Beverly because his skill set is not NBA worthy. Like, if you just looked at his skills, he's an overseas player." He'd be playing in China right now. But because of his tenacity and just how hard he gets after it, he's on one of the best teams in the league and contributing every night. Yeah, he secured $40 million. 
Yeah, so, I mean, you can hate on Patrick Beverly all you want. He is annoying as crap, I'm not going to lie. Super annoying. But, like, you got to hand it to him for doing what he's good at. And it landed him, like you said, $40 million and a spot in the NBA. Yeah, well, so let's uh, – we'll visit the Clippers in another couple seconds. But I just wanted to take a look at the playoff picture. So I heard something interesting that through the first 10 games – 90% of the time, the top eight seeds in each conference will be in the playoffs. So what, what's your feelings on that? Wow, that's – first of all, that's a really cool stat. And if that's the case, that's pretty crazy because there's some surprising teams in both the West and East right now that are in the top eight seeds. So that would be, that'd be really cool if, if we get that mix of playoff teams this year. Yeah, there's a couple teams I wanted to highlight in the Eastern Conference. I wanted to start with the Pacers. So they're currently 7-6, and six, and they're in sixth place. And I kind of wanted to, to talk about Sabonis and just um, discuss, like, how, mu- like how well he's playing and, uh, like, how much credit him and Michael Brogdon should be given for their start. I mean, they had a slow start, but now they're starting to come around. They've been pretty effective in their last 10 games. They're 7-3. and three. So they, they started off 0-3, and, and they've been 7-3 and three since. Yeah, to start off the season, they did not look good at all. Their offense looked completely out of whack and that they didn't know who to go to, especially with Oladipo out. But Brogdon has really emerged as their go-to guy, and he's just such a smart player. He is so good at picking his spots and hitting the right guy. And he's just, he's just really done well these last 10 games for the, for the Pacers. And again, Sabonis, he's just getting better every single year. If he doesn't stay with the Pacers long-term, he's a very good trade asset for them. They could get somebody, uh, some great re- return if they want to deal Sabonis. Yeah, there's a couple aspects there. Um, first of all, Ma- Malcolm Brogdon playing fantastic makes the Bucks look kind of look like fools for not willing to, for not being willing to spend that money on him for giving it to Eric Bledsoe instead. But I mean, more power to him. He's playing great, helping the Pacers win. But Sabonis, um, they gave him the contract that he wanted, and uh, with Miles Turner out, he's been flourishing. Yeah. So I think it's really cool to to see that uh, Miles to er, that Sabonis is uh, playing well. But how how do you think it, that looks when Miles Turner comes back? I think the Miles Turner. I don't know. I feel like the Pacers put too much on him. I don't think he's as good as what they're expecting out of him. I honestly think that Sabonis has a higher upside and is more consistent. Miles Turner will have some great plays and will have some great games, but the consistency, especially on the offensive end, isn't there. So you can't really rely game to game on him like you can on Sabonis because you know exactly what Sabonis is going to give you. Like Sabonis' highs might not be as good as Turner's highs, but his lows definitely are not as low as Turner, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sabonis is a very, very consistent player who you know you're gonna get 20 and 12 out of him on the on every night 
you know, it's what he's been putting up. So super impressive start for the Pacers. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm super excited to um, see the the return of Victor Oladipo. Um, yeah, he just went back to five on five, and he's warming up with the G League team. Yeah, yeah, I I love his game. I think we all forget uh, how special of a player he is, and really how good he was before he got hurt. And so it will be so great to see him him back on the floor soon. Hopefully, oh for sure. All right, the next uh, – the other team we wanted to highlight in the East was the Nets. They're 5-7 and seven right now, and they're sitting at ninth in the Eastern Conference. Do you see them still at the bottom of the playoff picture? I mean, still out of the playoff picture in 80 games? I think they squeak in. I, I don't know. So I've, I've watched a few of their games this year, and – it's kind of giving me Boston flashbacks, except for they're not as talented as Boston was with Kyrie. So it's almost worse. Uh, it just seems seems like their camaraderie together, especially on the offensive end, just isn't good. If Kyrie's not doing well, it's kind of just let's pass the ball around and it's this guy's turn to go one-on-one. I don't know. It's it's just been hard to watch them this year for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are missing like a third of their payroll. Oh, yeah. Kevin Durant being on the bench. But, you know, it just – it doesn't seem like Kyrie is that great of a team player. Like, LeBron really put him in the best situation possible. And Kyrie, you know, I don't – he can't, he can't be the number one option, it seems like, on a successful team. I don't know if that's just me, or do you think do you agree? No, I totally agree. We've seen it two years straight now, so obviously he's not. But that's why I think when Kevin Durant comes back and he's healthy, if he returns to his former powers the way that he's been his whole career, I think the Nets will be a lot better because Kyrie thrives in that second role. I was looking back and watching some of the old finals games between the – Warriors and the Cavs the other night and I was just in awe with the one-two punch with Kyrie and LeBron and how dominant it was and when Kyrie would just go off for a couple minutes and that's when he's the best when he can just for a couple minutes straight just nobody can stop him but if he has to do it the whole game we've seen that it just doesn't work yeah Kyrie and Kevin Durant have both said that they're not much of the leader of a team. They both said, I'm not a leader. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) An interesting dynamic to have them both on the same team. But, I I mean, I think they'll be a decent decent pairing um, next year. That's because Joe Harris is their leader. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think the Nets will squeeze in. I don't know how long the Hornets will keep up or the Magic will keep at their same pace, but. I'd like to think the Nets will will stay stay in the playoff picture or yeah stay in the playoff hunt. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I think that the Hornets are going to be the team that gets replaced by the Nets by the end of the year. All right, the next team in the Western Conference that we wanted to highlight was the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm checking them out tonight, seeing if they're the real deal or not. But they're currently in the eighth the eighth seed. They're seven and six. And in their last 10 games, they're four and six. Yeah, they started off just red hot. 
And like you said, their last 10 games are four and six. But it's been crazy to see how well Andrew Wiggins has done. He's averaging 26 a game so far. And so we're seeing the the potential that everybody was hoping for out of the draft from Andrew Wiggins. And that's been really fun to finally see him play to the amount of money that he's worth. Yeah, Ryan Saunders, he's putting him in a really good system. Instead of having multiple people down low, you know, they have Robert Covington and Cat spacing the floor. And so it, Wiggins, although he's not the most graceful finisher, he can he's super mega athletic. And now he's able to – he's been passing pretty well. I think he's averaging like five assists in the last, you know, ten or so games compared to his first couple of years in the league. It was like one or two maybe. So Ryan Saunders is is he's a good coach. He's uh using the players to to their advantages and he's you know using the talent wisely. So are they the eighth currently the eighth seed in the West right now? Yeah, they're currently the eighth. They're two games ahead of the Thunder. Okay. If Minnesota if Wiggins and Towns keep performing the way that they are, I think that they will definitely be in the eighth seed, if not fighting for it down to the last few games of the season. And that that kind of brings us to our next team, the Trailblazers. They're sitting at 12th, and they're 5-8 and eight currently. Some pretty big news as of late is they signed Carmelo Anthony in the desperation move to <laughs> fling themselves back into the playoff race. Of the nine t- or of the teams that are not in the playoff picture, the Thunder, Kings, Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs, Pelicans, and Warriors, I really only see the Trailblazers and the Spurs climbing back up and you know making a push for the eighth seed. I think Portland will be there for sure. It's been unfortunate with the injuries that they've had, you know, Nurkic and Collins, but I th- I still think that the signing of Carmelo Anthony is not the permanent move that you want. No, they're, they're still, they still need to make at least another move. Yeah, yeah. I think you definitely trade Whiteside or Bazemore and some future picks to get a solid four. Because um, Carmelo, I feel like he's just a Band-Aid right now. He's just to kind of cover up the deep wound that they have at the four position. And... I don't know. This is crazy that they signed Carmelo. So this is an excellent way somebody put it. Um, Dwight Howard, he's on a really good team, and he's able to play a role because he's on a really good team. He's able to excel in his role on a really yeah. good team. Whereas Melo, he's going to be placed on a bad team, and he's going to – they're like – it's not good for him to have to be their saving grace, if that makes sense. No, that totally. He's not going to be able to excel in his role if he has to be the savior, whereas Dwight is able to excel because he's already on a good team. And so I don't think this is the right or this is the permanent move. Um, how how tightly do you hold on to Anthony Simons? He's looked really really good, but do you utilize Dame's MVP type of performance right now and and trade that away? Trade that asset away? Well, what I heard recently is that Simons is almost untradeable at this point for the Blazers, which is which is crazy to think. But <laughs> but this year, I remember we were watching the summer league, and I was in Vegas this summer, and 
I was just like, okay, this kid's freaking good. Like he was pulling up, he he was pulling up like Dame, just just going nuts. And then he was doing the same thing in preseason, and now he's just a great, great scorer and point guard off the bench. And I think he's exactly what they need right now. So no, I wouldn't trade Simons. It's just been really sad to see the season start this way for the Blazers with how well Dame's been playing because it's kind of undermining. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging literally 30 points a game. No, I agree. Um, I love the way CJ com- or CJ and Dame compete. They're super loyal to Portland. They wouldn't have it any other way. And it's unfortunate that this lower market team, small market team, that they are, you know, plagued with these injuries that – they already have to. They already have a small margin to wiggle to to be successful, and it just makes it even smaller and smaller with every injury. And so, I wish we could see them in full force. I feel like they'd be a pretty good team. Portland's window is getting smaller and smaller. They have one of the best backcourts in the league with CJ and Dame Lillard, and the time is now for them to contend for a championship. So, signing Melo isn't. Like we said, it's not the answer. It's only temporary, and I just really hope that they make a big move uh, before the playoffs, and whether it's Gallinari or whether it's Kevin Love or even Sabonis, whoever it is, they really need that third guy to be relevant in the playoffs. Props to Melo. I hope he does great. You know, the, the game's better with him. I think it'd be super interesting to see him flourish in a role like Dwight. They should just move Portland's home games to the to Chris Brickley's gym so that Melo just goes <laughs> ham every game. Yeah, I mean, if they can improve Hoodie Melo too, I think I think it'd be over. I think it's you just chalk it up, Portland Trailblazers, twenty twenty NBA champions. Oh my gosh! So I want to talk about one more team in the in the West, and that's the Clippers. So Clippers are eight and five right now. They're sixth in the West. Paul George made his debut a couple of games ago. He has scored 70 points combined in his first two games and only 45 minutes combined. So that's that's really good for Paul George. Last game he had 37 and 20 minutes. And so that's super impressive. It looks like he said he's, he feels better than he ever has. He says he has new shoulders and that he doesn't feel the pain anymore. So I feel like Paul George is going to have a great season. How often do you think him and Kawhi even play together? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to stagger them a lot. I mean, they've kind of already basically said their their pushes for the playoffs. Um, I'd say they share the share the court maybe forty times this season. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-one times. So do you think they're not a top three seed then? I don't think I don't think though they're going to be top three. Yeah, I, I think especially if... I think they'll each, sit four or five seed. Yeah, if each Paul George and Kawhi have their own load management schedules, uh, it's I don't think they'll be a top seed. But I think, obviously, in the playoffs, if they're both healthy, they're going to be playing like a top seed and one of the best teams in the league. Definitely. Um. It, my game of the week actually is this the Clippers versus the Celtics on Thursday night. Oh, this for this coming week? Yeah, so it, let's take a look at that. The 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 Celtics they were on a nine game win streak. Mm-hmm. 
they just snapped it. Marcus Smart almost did a buzzer beater, but it just teetered off the rim. They <laughs> lost the, to the Kings by one point, um, snapping their winning streak, but they're sitting with the second-best record in the league right now. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Marcus Smart early this season. Obviously, he's taken on a bigger role with Kyrie gone and with Hayward going down. We've all known that he's been a the grand, grand guy that – makes amazing defensive plays and flops like crazy. But if you look back all the way to when he was at Oklahoma State, he was their go-to scorer for them as a point guard. He's still really good in the pick and roll. Like he's, he's underrated as a passer and a playmaker. And obviously he's super strong. He's been really impressive this far. And I think Tatum's taken a huge leap since his little slump last uh, last season because Kobe because <laughs> Kobe worked with them. Hey, Kobe sabotaged him, baby. <laughs> Screw the Celtics. <laughs> I've been really impressed with the Celtics. I didn't think that they were going to be this good to start off the season. Uh, but I think it just still goes to show that Brad Stevens truly is one of the best coaches in the league. And that they just have such a great group of guys who are all none of them are alphas they're all willing to share the ball and play team basketball and it's just been a lot of fun to watch them this year especially from what it was last year and the mess with Kyrie they they have the chemistry now um I think they're still one move away I mean they're closing the gap on the Sixers and the Bucks and even the Heat now for best team in the East but if they if they they have a couple trade chips and a couple trade assets that they could um, hand off and um, if the if the if the right situation occurs, you know I could see them projecting themselves into the best team in the East. So obviously at this point Tatum's untouchable. Do you think Jalen Brown is? Do you think you keep those two together long term? Um, I mean Jalen Brown, kind of, unless. You have to pretty much trade for somebody with the same contract as him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you take an old vet for him, which I probably wouldn't, an old max player vet. So I'd I'd say that Jalen Brown's pretty much untouchable, especially with what they gave him. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I think uh Daniel, how do you say his last name? Tice? Yeah, Tice. I think he's stepped up and played really well this year as well for them. So I think that will be a really good game against the Clippers. Again, it's hard to say who will win because it's hard to know who the Clippers will play, <laughs> what players are going to be playing for them that day. So, <laughs> yeah, it will be hard to predict the winner for that. Obviously, if Paul George and Kawhi are both playing, I'd take the Clippers. But if it's one or the other, I think I would take the Celtics down to the wire. It would be a really close defensive-minded game on both sides of the ball. I'm taking the Clippers no matter what, even if one of them's one of uh, Kawhi or Paul George is sitting out, only because uh, the Celtics, they have great wings, but the Clippers have great wing stoppers. You know, having Kawhi out there to guard with Mo Harkless and, uh, um, and you know, their other weapons, they're able to, I think they're they're able to handle them pretty well and stop what they're effective at. And they're so lengthy that it'll really affect Kemba. So for my game of the week, it's on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and it's the Rockets versus the Nuggets. 
The Rockets are second in the West at 10 and three. And the Nuggets, where are the Nuggets right now? They're third. They're one game behind. Or oh, okay. a, half, a half game behind. Awesome. So, yeah, so I think that would be a great game between two of the top teams in the league overall. And I think especially against how bad the Rockets' defense is, I think Jokic will have a great game. Can look for a, forward to a triple-double from him. Jamal Murray just went off last game. He had like 39. Uh, he's been doing pretty well this year. I think that the, the Nuggets will go away with this game. Uh, they're just one of the funnest teams to watch, not because they have star players, I mean, besides Jokic, but because they know each other so well. It's just so cool to see that they know exactly where a guy's going to be at his spot and they move the ball so well, and they always play hard. And I just think this will be a great game that you won't want to miss. Yeah, their continuity is really great. And uh, the Rockets are going to the Mile High City. Um, I think their depth is a little or a lot stronger than the Rockets. And I think that they'll, it's a, this regular season game will go to the Nuggets. That reminded me when you were talking about the Rockets lack of rust of the Rockets depth also in the game against the Clippers when Austin Rivers was <laughs> when Austin Rivers was waving at dog trying to get him uh, thrown out of the game what did you think of that oh I think it's hilarious um after the game he tweeted well Thanksgiving's gonna be awkward <laughs> <laughs> but I mean uh, how many I don't think there's just any other duos in the league that's father-son are both associated with teams. So I think it's awesome that that they're able to joke around like that. Obviously, they still love each other, and it's all good and fun. But I think it's hilarious. I think, hey, in spirit of competition, it's great. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's great, too. And I think the next father and son pair we'll see will maybe be with LeBron and Bronny. Hey. <laughs> We we almost went the whole podcast without talking about the Lakers, but you know that's my team. They're killing it right now, sitting at the top of the NBA. So don't sleep on them. Oh my gosh! Of course, Eric has to throw that in at the last second. Hey, LeBron! LeBron put on a show for Kobe last night. Um, I'm I'm just saying that the Lakers are looking mighty scary. I really missed seeing Kobe in the Staples Center. Oh yeah, and uh, just seeing how much fun they're having as a team. You know, Iggy's out there. He's like, man, I just want to get released. And Iggy just wants to be a Lakers so bad. You know, it's only a matter of time until some until they release him. <laughs> oh, like, we all know Eric could go on for days about the Lakers. Maybe you should just start your own Lakers podcast. <laughs> hey, sometime in the future. No, but Eric, we know you got to get going to your game. Uh, we're super excited that you get to go tonight and watch up close and personal Andrew Wiggins continue his tear and next week we will look forward to hearing about your experience so thanks again for being on yeah thanks for having me all right everybody remember to listen and subscribe and leave us a good review and we thank you all for joining us and we will see you all next tuesday